Hello, welcome to chapter four of Penn and Shakespeare's Henry the Sixth, Part One. I am Jeff Robinson, the director of Pendant Shakespeare, joined by Morgan Z. Sowell, our dramaturge. Morgan, good to have you again. Pleasure to be here. And here we are uh, with Joan and four soldiers uh, disguised as peasants here, uh, entering into Rouen, I believe it is pronounced. And uh, uh, Cat Peterson as our Joan La Pucelle or Joan of Arc, uh, same same historical figure, um, you know, one of the standout members of this cast. And particularly in this scene, I really was impressed with how she uh, did all the whispered lines and, uh, you know, perfectly kind of articulately because it's hard, you know, as a voice actor to whisper and really kind of. Uh, get it across and enunciate and now, and uh, make yourself heard. So I was I was really impressed as I have been with with all of uh, her performances thus far in this uh, this production. Just terrific to have her in the cast. And a great job speaking French there. Yes. Uh, so yes, uh, added advantage. Cat uh, uh, actually, I believe. I don't know if she's fluent in French, but she's she's very very familiar. So her her French accent, her flawless French accent, has been an awesome addition to this production. Because if there's one character you need to nail the French accent, I believe it's, it's, it's Joan of Arc. Joan Lacoussel, exactly. <laughs> Can't have uh, Joan of Arc with a you know English or American a Monty accent. Python accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but speaking of Monty Python, though, um, you know between. Uh, between our uh, Bruce Bruce Davis and uh, Josh Kibbe uh, as um, as Renier and uh, Duke of Alençon, they brought that Monty Python energy, and it was spot on. It's perfect. Like the comical elements, you know, you can envision Monty Python uh, as those characters. It's uh, it's perfect. <laughs> Which is how Shakespeare would have wanted it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they'll they'll take any opportunity they can to to mock the French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh Kibbe and and Bruce in particular cracked me up. Like their their French accents, I'm, I was just rolling on the floor. <laughs> They're having a good time. And here the French charge right in, wasting no time. And uh, yeah, I love. Uh, here's Adam Blanford as as Lord Talbot again. I love how uh, in the middle of all these battle scenes, like Talbot takes the time to basically lecture his opponents and be like, "You guys are treasonous." And I'm like, "Really? You're you're lecturing them in the middle of a battle? Is that the most effective strategy here?" <laughs> well, he's an old guy who's won every battle he's ever been in. He figures he has the time to to lecture people on his thoughts. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and in this scene here, you know, oh, that musical kind of... cue is. <laughs> I love it. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm glad she's you like taunting that. him. Exactly, I'm glad you picked up on that because, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was trying to find the right point to transition from the hardcore, you know, rock and roll battle music to kind of the uh, the music that indicates, okay, now, now here's some comedy here. <laughs> and you got the poor Duke of Bedford played by E. Rachel Ward, who's, uh, you know, kind of uh, about to gasp his gasp his uh, last breath. Um, being tormented and mocked by the French. Very rude. <laughs> so one thing I wanted to ask you about, Morgan, is I, I found it was interesting that uh, Lord Talbot keeps accusing the French of treason, which is interesting because, you know, so, so setting the scene historically here, like France at one point was considered to be ruled by England, right? Is that why he keeps calling it treason? Yes, because Henry V was technically the king of France at one point. Uh -huh. So all of the French are even now 
treasonous to their true their true king. I'm sure the French would resent that greatly. Oh yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it took me a bit to pick up on that. I'm like treason. That doesn't make sense. They're another country, but no. At the same time, you know, like uh, he considers himself ruler of France, and he would see it as treason. <laughs> I'm so I absolutely adore this musical cue. <laughs> That right there is my favorite exchange of this entire episode. Senior. Will you come fight it out? <laughs> no. Nah, don't feel like it, bro. <laughs> yeah, Lord Talbot gets uh get rather rather preachy here. He's he's very fond of lecturing the French and thinking he could reason with them very unsuccessfully. <laughs> we came but to tell you that we are here. We won. Goodbye. <laughs> And speaking of that music, the, that musical track, uh, Morgan, literally ended right as that scene ended. It was perfect timing, like literally as perfect as it gets. Um, didn't even have to edit it out early or anything like that. So, oh, great awesome. feeling. <laughs> Another plug here for uh, Josh Mullen at thetoonpeddler.com, whose uh, tracks you can hear throughout this production and many pedant productions. Again, just adding so much uh, nuance to every single scene. And so many of us who enjoy uh, art on the internet here is uh, are, are owe him a debt of gratitude. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And here we have uh, uh, the Duke of Burgundy, played by Gareth Boley, who is uh, in this scene, you know, vowing that he'll do whatever Lord Talbot wants him to do. And as we will see in just a few moments, uh, he is not to be trusted so much. And will be partner of your wheel. Because that question of who's French and who's English becomes rather rather fluid at the time. Yes, yes, apparently it does, as we will see quite soon. For once I read that stout Pendragon in his letter. So last episode you heard Eretchel Ward as uh, the dying Mortimer, and now you hear her as the dying Bedford. So yeah, she really specializes in, in playing characters who are about to kick the bucket in this particular production. <laughs> and just quick shout out to reference to Uther Pendragon, a personal favorite historical uh, character. Ah, yes. Very true, true. No more ado, brave Burgundy. But gather we our forces out of hand and set upon our boasting. One thing you just heard there that I, I often like to do when a character is exiting the scene is kind of add some panning as they get away, add some reverb as they're walking away to give you a sense of space and saying, okay, they're exiting the scene uh, physically. Uh, so that's a, a neat trick that I found uh, in, in various audio dramas over the years. It's a good trick. And here comes uh, John, John Falstaff slash John Fastolf. Thank you, thank you, Shakespeare, for giving an almost identical to name to two <laughs> two characters in two subsequent plays to each other who are vaguely similar. That's right. I read one note that specifically said, "Note: the fast office in this production is not to be confused with the Falstaff of Henry the Fourth. Different person." <laughs> and I, I don't know the uh, textual history of the folios of Shakespeare's, but it is spelled fast uh, Falstaff in my version of the book. Uh -huh. Uh, so he's fast off in, in other texts, but the, my, my old uh, complete works of Shakespeare has him has, as John uh, Falstaff again. So. Ah, uh, yeah, those, those discrepancies are so interesting. Like, you know, at what point was that change made? You know, it, it uh, very makes you curious for sure. Warlike as Marshal Talbot, Burgundy enshrines thee in his heart. Uh, once again, the slimy Burgundy pledging his allegiance to Talbot, only to literally like two minutes later, throw it all out the window. <laughs> 
Yes, and England has already lost uh, lost a city and reclaimed the city in one act so far. So there's been yes. a lot of action going on off off camera. I was going to say this one in particular has a lot going on that uh, that the audience is not privy to for sure. So yeah, it was kind of confusing myself at first. I had to make a map on a whiteboard. <laughs> Good idea. I love in this scene how. Um, Talbot and Burgundy stride on, you know, fresh from their victory, celebrating their victory. And then they're like, oh, and here's Bedford dead. That's, that, that kind of sucks, I guess. <laughs> yeah, still laying here, even. Exactly. <laughs> Walking over his body and finally noticing him. Lord Talbot pleases Burgundy. All right, and now we transition off to the French and the English making their march. Joan rallying the troops here, the Bastard of Orléans, the Duke of Alençon, Regnier, and uh, Charles the Dauphin, who I should mention is played by Kendra Murray, um, who I had the pleasure of working with as well on Pericles and um, Double Falsehood, so great to have her back, for sure. Great jobs all across. Mm-hmm. We have been guided. By yeah, Dauphin, with, I just love that word. Dauphin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, with both the young Dauphin, who's supposed to be, I believe, like 17 or 18, and then the young Henry, uh, of course, who's supposed to be, you know, 10 or 11 years old, uh, just worked out really well uh, to cast, uh, you know, these two actresses in this role and uh, kind of bring the youth to that part, uh, for sure, because it's always challenging for, you know, kind of young boy characters to get the voice right, for sure. <laughs> By fair persuasions mixed with sugared words, we will entice the Duke of Burgundy to leave the Talbot. And here uh, is where the French, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, French plan sets in. Joan gets so many great speeches, and she's this great master strategist. I sometimes wonder if, um, if Shakespeare had got her, got too into her as a character, because at the very end of the play, mm. spoilers alert, she takes a real sudden heel turn. Oh, uh, yeah. And she's going to be just frothing at the mouth evil by the end. <laughs> Hark! By the sound of drum, you may perceive their powers are marching unto. Because I almost want to root for her. Right. Oh, well, that will definitely be interesting to see and interesting to uh, mix together for sure. Once we dig into those final couple of episodes. Yeah, this production, I should say, was a, a little bit of a challenge, Morgan, I know, for you as the, the dramaturge, kind of splitting them up into the right episode length. The last two productions we did, we had the luxury of just saying, okay, Act 1 is Episode 1, Act 2 is Episode 2, but uh, with this one, you know, just way too long to pull that off, right? It's a much, it's a much, much longer show, yeah. Um, we're going to have a total of, oh, God, we have six on the schedule, am I right about that? Uh, seven they total, are all, yeah. Seven total, yeah. So we had to just kind of break them where they, uh, the length seemed about right. As long as it wasn't in the exact middle of a sentence. Like, this is right. a good spot to end here. Yep, yep. No, it, it worked out quite nicely, yeah. Have uh, seven, you know, pretty pretty evenly split episodes. So works pretty Although well for the listener. Uh, Shakespeare seemed to put some weird choices in this, where hmm. one scene will have, like, three different things happen, which would normally be three scenes. Right. Like, there's a... I think the the breaking points are a little arbitrary at some points. Exactly, yeah. 
Yeah, I think like we heard with uh, Fastoff earlier, um, you know, that, that whole scene literally lasted about, what, 30 seconds? And then you go back to, to Bedford and uh, Talbot and Burgundy. So I agree, <laughs> kind of some odd odd choices there with the scene breaks. And Joan, as she does so well, rallying the troops once again with that uh, French music swelling behind her. So I want to be on her side after this speech. I'll fight for France. She's doing a great job. And she clearly just, uh, you know, convinced Burgundy um, to, to switch allegiances at the drop of a hat. You know, the last scene is pledging his allegiance to Talbot, and now he's like, nah, I'll join the French. <laughs> and that's definitely a voice of someone you couldn't trust. So great job there. Yeah. <laughs> It's curious to me, like, how how do they convince Burgundy that Burgundy is a Frenchman? Like, I'm confused by that. Like, how how did how do they just convince him? Hey, hey, you're actually French, so you should be on our side. <laughs> I, I think the idea of borders was a vague notion back then. I mean, there's a chunk of true, France true. called Brittany. Ah, like, yes, good point. <laughs> this was what you know, the 1600s. I think they weren't quite as clear on these things. And the the kings of England were all French anyway, and this and that, mm -hmm. and I don't. Right. A smarter person than me, I can tell you. Uh, yes, I have some Wikipedia articles to read for sure. Yep, Joan's power of persuasion at work here. I am vanquished. These haughty words of hers have battered me like roaring cannon shot. Once again, an example of an aside here where a character just kind of has that internal monologue going uh, just to themselves, off to the side of the stage, kind of, if you're if you're picturing it. My forces, my power of men are yours. So farewell, Talbot. I'll no longer trust thee. Done like a Frenchman. Turn and turn again. Welcome so you made an interesting note, uh, Morgan, in the script there, that Joan, uh, you know, with that insult there, is insulting her own people, which is rather interesting. <laughs> I think that, that my guess would that just be Shakespeare trying to get a laugh from the crowd. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Because nobody in the crowd would like the French. <laughs> right. <laughs> Done like a Frenchman. Turn and turn again. But wait, wait, you, you are French. You realize that, right? <laughs> And now back to the court of King Henry, where Lord Talbot is being uh, celebrated here. I have a while given truce unto my wars to do my duty to my sovereign. In sign whereof, this arm that hath proclaimed to your obedience. And uh, so many lines from Talbot. He's got so many great speeches. Great job from Adam there. Yeah, yeah. I, I just knew when I heard Adam's audition that he was all right for this part and uh, such a tremendous amount of effort to, to record all of these lines and uh, all of these monologues, and he just knocks every one of them out of the park for sure. Is this the Lord Talbot, Uncle Gloucester? That hath so long been resident in France. I love this line here by King Henry de Gloucester. Uh, he's just like, who is this guy again? <laughs> I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Wait, this is this Lord is who, Talbot? <laughs> this is who we're fighting for. Doesn't even know what's going on. Exactly. I do remember how my father said a stouter champion never handled sword. Long since we were Yeah, I don't recognize you, but I do recall that uh, my father said some great stuff about you. Perhaps a little bit of a subtle political uh, satire there from Shakespeare. 
Ah, okay. And the king doesn't really know what's going on, but has all the right things to say. I don't know. Yeah. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Emmeline Tuck here again as uh, as King Henry. Great job. And here's. Uh, Talbot becomes Earl of Shrewsbury, oh, which thankfully Shakespeare did not change his name. <laughs> yes, thankfully, that would be even more confusing. And here we have an interesting and kind of abrupt transition to um, to Vernon fighting it out with uh, Bassett, right, I believe? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was kind of interesting how, how Shakespeare kind of tucks that in to the tail end of this scene in court, even though the two things seem to be kind of unrelated. Yeah, can't forget what's going on. Got to remind the audience every now and again. No, no, the War of the Roses is about to start. Yep. Generations and, uh, of civil war is happening in the background, just just off camera. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I incorporated those uh, those kind of white rose and red rose sound effects that um, that we heard in the last episode into this scene as well to kind of remind the audience whose side everybody is on. Subconsciously, they'll they'll, they'll take that and they'll they'll feel it. Exactly, like like a film score. <laughs> Yep, that's the goal. All right, and that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, one of the shorter ones in uh, in this particular series, but uh, great to have you along for the ride. Yes, yes, indeed. It's short, but definitely uh, action-packed uh, with so many... so many battle scenes to keep track of and many more to come, I'm sure. <laughs> But uh, thank you for joining us once again. This is episode four, so we got three more to go over the next three months that we're really excited to bring you. Uh, just a, a stellar cast that we've been uh, so privileged to work with throughout this uh, this entire run, and uh, privileged to have you along for the ride as well. So uh, thanks for. I don't know about I don't know about you, Jeff. I'm I'm rooting for the British. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> got to root for Adam. <laughs> This production so thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you for episode five. Take care.